In the areas of authority that God has given you, are you grabbing hold of that or are you judging or functioning in a way that is unjust? Do you pervert the right thing? I want to stop on that because that was just absolutely not. But I think what happens is, is when we get our eyes off the Lord and we put our eyes on circumstances, damage control, all these different things, we have a tendency to make soft choices that we wouldn't normally make. Justice is a hot topic right now, and with all that's been going on in the world lately, it's an important topic to consider. Today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel invites you to study what God says about justice. As you look at the laws and principles God gave the Israelites, you'll see his heart for justice. He wants the people who follow him to stand for justice, not only in the places they hold authority, but in the world around them too. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 18 as he begins his message, Talking Justice. All right, let's all open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. And we're in Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16. And we're continuing this study here through the book of Deuteronomy, slowly but surely. I had someone ask me, so what do I think the uh, amount of time it's going to take for us to make it through the entire Bible? And I said, at the rate that we're going, I'm not going to make it, (laughs) you know, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll go as far as the Lord will let us go. And Deuteronomy chapter 16, we're going to be picking up in verse 18, And I think what's important about this is really the Lord wants to focus in on the character of the leaders of the children of Israel because it's commonly said that everything rises and falls on leadership. Now, I don't really believe that because I think everything rises and falls on Jesus, right? But I think in the human realm, as a leader goes, so goes a company, an organization, a team. And so leadership is really important, and the Bible says a whole lot about it. And so what you end up having in the end of Deuteronomy 16, he talks about judges, and then in Deuteronomy 17, it talks about the court and the kings, and then in chapter 18, he talks about the priests and the prophets. So you have all these different categories of leadership. And what I really want to encourage you as we start is that in some ways, all of us are leaders. There's not one of us here that doesn't have areas in life where you have the opportunity to lead. Right. Now, whether it's within your family or within your school or within your job or wherever you find yourself in life, everybody has leadership opportunities. And it's just a matter is, are you a leader who is actually helping or are you the kind of person who with your leadership by not grabbing hold of it, that you're not actually accomplishing the very purposes that God has for you to accomplish by giving you this opportunity to take a leadership role. And so everything that we're going to see here, even though you might say, well, listen, so we're going to study this, but, you know, we don't have judges in ancient Israel anymore. Our court system functions differently today than it did for them. We don't have kings. And you're like, praise God. That would make this next election extraordinary 
literally terrifying, you know? And in the same way, it's like with priests and prophets, things are different. And so, but what I want to do is I want to explain how it exists in the local context of what's happening for the children of Israel at this time. And then I also want you to each to, and I'm going to try and help us tease out, this is something that I can grab hold of for the areas of leadership that I find myself in. And I'm here to tell you, if you're one of those people who are saying, well, there aren't any areas of leadership for me to grab hold of, I'm saying, no, 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 you got to let the Lord open your eyes. Because in every situation we're in, there's an opportunity for someone to rise up. And sometimes we lead by supporting other people. There's all these different ways that this works. So let's jump right on in. Deuteronomy chapter 16, picking up in verse 18, it says, you shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes. And they shall judge the people with just judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, nor take a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous. Verse 20, you shall follow what is altogether just that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not plant for yourself any tree. Actually, we'll stop at verse 20. We'll start right there. So what we have here is, this is resembling what we saw in Exodus chapter 21 to 23, way back when we were in the book of Exodus, that God has a plan for how the people are governed. And I realize we live in a day and age, especially kind of post-Nietzsche, where everyone said you got to question authority and everything's a power play. You have to always remember that God ordained layers of authority. In the absence of authority, we have something called anarchy. And nobody flourishes in the midst of anarchy. So even though we live in a day and age, and I'm not saying that we should just blindly follow authority either, but this whole, like, all authority is bad... If you take the idea that all authority is bad and you walk it to its philosophical and logical conclusion, what you find is you have anarchy. And I've never met someone living in anarchy who says, this is wonderful. They're terrified because there's absolutely no structure or authority. So God ordains authority. And here, you got to remember, Moses is on the edge of the promised land. He's going to bring the children of Israel. He's led them as far as he can lead them. And Joshua's going to lead them into the promised land. And he's saying, listen, once you get in, you're going to appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Now, remember, when the children of Israel left Egypt, Moses was the only judge. And then you remember his father-in-law Jethro shows up and he's like, listen, what you're doing is not good because Moses is trying to do everything. He's like, no, it's not good for the people. It's not good for you. So you want to appoint a series of judges and they're going to, they're full with the spirit. So they're going to be able to administer justice and anything that's too hard for them, then they're going to kick it up to you, Moses. Right? And now what we have is that when they're going in, in each community, according to the tribes, when the land is given by allotment, in each community, there's going to be these judges and then these officers who are appointed. So the judges are, the, in the sense, the people who make the decisions, and the officers are the ones who support the whole administration of justice. Right? And in each community, there is going to be these judges and officers that the Lord is going to use to exercise justice over the people. So I, you know, I, I entitled this message, Talking Justice, because justice is important. Now, we often don't realize here in 21st century America, we don't know what it's like to live in a radically unjust society. Now, I'm not saying that everything that goes on in our culture is just, and it's not. 
but we don't know what it's like to live in a culture that is unjust because when this nation was founded, these biblical principles of justice were placed in to our world. And so we see injustice everywhere, but by and large, there is a just system that was erected, that is in place. And so we see injustices and it bothers us, but you look at other places in the world where there is absolute, complete and total injustice going on and it's absolutely horrifying when we see it. You know, in the world that Moses is living in, there was no nation like the nation of Israel with these laws. And not that the children of Israel followed the laws, but these laws were meant to make this place just. And the idea of just is that everything gets its proper due. Everything gets its proper due. And what the Lord is saying, he's saying, look, God's going to give you this, and I want them to judge the people with just judgment. And it says in verse 18, there's these rules that are stated. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality. And you shall not take a bribe. So part of the ruling of these judges is that they need to make sure that they don't pervert justice, but they stand for justice right? They shouldn't show partiality because when you show partiality, that is perverting justice. You're preferring somebody over somebody else for reasons other than why you're there. And then obviously the idea of taking a bribe. Once money gets involved and if someone, if a judge can profit from their judgment, you know that you're not going to have justice happening. Notice what it says, for a bribe, verse 19 It blinds the eyes of the wise and it twists the words of the righteous. So first you got to ask yourself in your areas of leadership, are you a just leader? Are you somebody who is giving everything its proper due? In the areas of authority that God has given you, are you grabbing hold of that or are you judging or functioning in a way that is unjust? Do you pervert the right thing? I want to stop on that because that one says, absolutely not. But I think what happens is, is when we get our eyes off the Lord and we put our eyes on circumstances, damage control, all these different things, we have a tendency to make soft choices that we wouldn't normally make. Do we show partiality? It's a big thing. It's so easy to show partiality. And of course, obviously, it's always important to remember that when we make decisions when there's money involved, oftentimes money can make us do funny things. You know, I remember I had one guy say to me one time, he said, Daniel, don't ever forget when it comes to money, people get funny. I know it's amazing. It's kind of true. And in some ways, it reveals the, the God of money that we have in our culture. It's one of the idols of materialistic 21st century America. People don't make good decisions when money is involved, right? They don't make biblical decisions. People have a tendency to get really weird when money is involved. And so it's important in our leadership, how are we allowing money to impact how we're making decisions and the ways that we're making decisions? Now, in verse 20, notice what it says. It says, you shall follow what is altogether just, that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So the idea here is justice is meant to be the foundation of the children of Israel because when everything is administered with justice, not only will they inherit the land, but they will be able to live and prosper in the land. Everybody prospers, not just a few people. Everyone gets to prosper. So remember that justice is meant to be the foundation of the people of God because it is the foundation of God's throne. And God loves when justice is administered. 
So God cares about justice. And in a lot of ways, the judgment of God, the judgment of God, the, the last day's judgment, that what we would call an eschatological judgment, you got to love scholars. That word eschaton literally means at the end of all things, right? So eschatological is at that point when God judges everything. People say, I don't like that God brings judgment. I'm like, well, God can't be perfect if he's not just. And if God is not just, if God isn't just, then he wouldn't judge. But God, he has to judge because he is perfect. And when he judges, his judgment is just. He always judges rightly. So I know that there's some of you right now, you're like, yeah, I don't really like the idea of God judging. And what I would say is that when God judges, he judges in perfect justice. And it's God's perfections. And so as followers of Jesus, we realize that the reason we are not condemned is because God justly took out our punishment for our mistakes, our sins on Jesus. And everything that we do as followers of Jesus now, we're saying, I want others to be able to partake of such an amazing gift from God, the person of Jesus. And so we orient all of our lives and we say, we want to help as many people as we can. We want to help get the gospel out. It's kind of like if, God forbid, we were in a burning building and a fireman came in and he took us out of the building right? And we're fine. And there's all these people in the building, right? Because that fireman took you out, you might be like, hey, I'm going back in to help. How can I help? Because the idea is, is Jesus has delivered us and we want to see the message of Jesus make it into the world. And so we find ourselves living in such a way because of God's grace for us. We want other people to experience that grace because outside of Jesus, people are responsible before God for their rebellion against God. I remember when I first started reading the Bible, didn't grow up in a Christian home, so it wasn't like I was steeped in this growing up. But I remember reading that and thinking to myself, I don't really like that so much. But then I started thinking about if God didn't judge anything, what would life be like? And I realized that that is far more horrifying. And so God's justice is part of it. And he wants his community, his people, to be steeped in this justice. Why? So that they not only inherit the land, but they can live long in that land and prosper in that land. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Now, one of the aspects also of justice is the issue of idolatry. Because look at what it says in verse 21. It says, You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image, Near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God, you shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. Chapter 17, verse 1. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or a sheep which has any blemish or defect, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, you might think to yourself, okay, so we're talking about justice. What is this all about? Because the foundation of justice, the ground for what is right, is the Lord. It's the true and living God who creates and sustains everything. He is the ground for it. And so the true and living God desires to be worshipped in very specific ways. And so here you get these number of laws that deal against the idea of pagan worship or idolatry. First, don't plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image. And that word wooden image in some of your translations is the word asereth, 
which was a pagan deity where they would plant a tree there and they would worship it as God. He's saying, look, when I give you the place where I'm going to meet with you, it was at the tabernacle, which later became the temple. He's like, I don't want you to plant any ways to worship me that go against my heart. Now, listen, I think this is super important because if you want to be a great leader, if you want to grab hold of the leadership that God has given you, all leadership begins and ends with worship. And you can't think for one second that when you worship something other than the true and living God, you can't ever expect your leadership to be righteous or right or just or even loving. See, God cares about how we worship. And so in each one of our lives, as I always say, we don't just think about worship here at Crossroads as what we do on a Sunday or a Wednesday at our large gatherings or at men's or women's or recovery or young adults or wherever we do. We believe that everything that we do in life is an act of worship. Like you can tell what you declare the worth of. That's where the word worship comes from. You can tell what you value the most by how you live your life. Way more than by what you say. How you live every single day tells you what you worship. And God cares very much about that. And so for the children of Israel, they were going into a land where there was so much pagan worship. There were so many ways to worship deities that weren't the true and living God. And the Lord says, no, listen, whatever you do, I don't want you to put an idol next to where you meet with me. And you got to ask yourself, what is the idolatry that is in your life? And you know what's amazing? We all have them. Martin Luther, in his great commentary on the Ten Commandments, said that the breaking of every single one of the commandments actually all begins with the breaking of the first commandment. That I am the Lord, you shall have no other gods before me. See, the reason you would murder, or the reason you would steal, or the reason you would covet, or the reason you would do all these other things, break the Sabbath in that culture, and all these different things, the reason you would do that is because you have another God competing for the true and living God. And the same is true for you and me. Whatever the sins that you're committing, whatever the struggles that you're having, whatever the things that are vying for the passionate place, the sole devotion of your heart, be it your spouse, which you're not supposed to worship them, they're supposed to be your companion. When you worship your spouse, that's bad. And if you're one of those spouses who demands worship, that's even worse. You know? It's like some of us worship our kids. Look, all the couples are looking at each other. We pray for the couples. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Everyone goes. But you know what I mean? Like, we don't want to worship our kids. We don't want to worship our careers. You don't want to worship your retirement number. You don't want to worship your favorite sports team. You don't want to worship whatever it is that your thing is. You don't want to worship collecting all the Pokemons and Pokemon Go. I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm just saying it's just not worthy of worship. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not saying you should treat your spouse Badly, I'm saying that God should be your God and your spouse should be your companion. I'm not saying that you should neglect your kids. I'm saying you should let God be God and then you serve your children in the way that God would have you because God, you have to keep things in the right order. And that's the key. The key is that we make sure that whatever the idols that we have in our heart, that we, like Gideon, tear them down. We got to tear those things down. Jesus talks about dealing ruthlessly with those things. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, listen, don't go cut your hand off. Because God isn't a God of amputation. He's saying you got to deal ruthlessly with it. You know, it says if your eye causes you to sin, you pluck it out. Don't go plucking your eyes out. But God's saying, he's, Jesus is saying, deal ruthlessly with that. Like, don't play with the thing that's killing you. Don't play with the thing that's killing you. 
So also you shall not set up a sacred pillar, which the Lord your God hates. That's verse 22. And then in chapter 17, verse 1, you shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or a sheep that has any blemish or defect, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, don't forget this, and this is important, is that the sacrifice that the Lord would receive from the children of Israel had to be perfect. Why? First, because it's a foreshadowing of Jesus. Right? The reason Jesus was able to be the sacrifice for our sins is because he was perfect. He was without sin. He always did those things which pleased his Father. So any sacrifice that was meant to be given to the Lord had to be of the best. Right? When, when, when Jesus was baptized and that voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus is saying, this is my beloved, God saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So for us in our worship, we always want to give God our best. And that's a big challenging thing in a world like we live in today where everyone's got so many things going on, you're always giving God like the leftovers. Right? And it's important for us, God, he shouldn't just get our best. God is infinitely deserving of our best. But you could imagine for the children of Israel, just like for us today, they, go to, they want to go worship the Lord, and they want to bring a sacrifice, and they got like... You know, they got that one sheep who's kind of all ugly looking and it's got a hobble. Like, yeah, we'll get rid of that one. Right? It's like, because that one can't get any work done for me. So we'll get rid of that one. That one's, you know, it's like, we don't want that one anyway. Right? So, brothers and sisters, give God your best. And even right now, just be saying, Lord, I want to give you my best. Lord, will you help me to give the best that I have? And if you're one of those people who right now you're not giving God your best, you need to repent of that. And that word repent, it's not a negative word. It means to turn back. It's a word of reconciliation because God has given his best for us, his own son. And because we're learning every day how to simply respond to Jesus, right? That's what we talk about here at Crossroads, right? Our mission is to simply respond to Jesus. And because God gave Jesus his best for us, we in turn give our best to the Lord. And the whole idea of the first fruits, giving God that which is our best, all of that is involved in this. Now, as we move into verse 2, look at what it says. It says, if there is found among you within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, a man or a woman who has been wicked in the sight of the Lord your God and transgressing his covenant, who has gone and served other gods and worshiped them, either the sun or moon or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it is told you and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently. And if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination has been committed in Israel, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or that woman who has committed that wicked thing and shall stone to death that man or woman with stones. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel reminded you that God deserves your best. You see, he's done so much for you. He saw your overwhelming brokenness and sent Jesus to rescue you. And not only does he perfectly and faithfully love you, but he helped you live the abundant life Jesus came to give you. And so, because of all this, you should give God the best that you can offer. Not the leftovers or sloppy seconds, but the first fruits of everything. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. 
It's such an amazing honor to share God's word. And I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, jesusisrealradio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to jesusisrealradio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue in this study about justice. You'll see that your willingness to stand for justice is directly related to your understanding of the work that Jesus did on the cross. When you deserved death, Jesus paid the cost for the ways you messed up. You were given grace. God wants you to operate out of that reality. Let the fact that Jesus is real make a difference in your life. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Blueprints. Until then, may God bless.